1: For progressive people around the world, it's been a hard start to the year. Trump is rolling out his racist agenda, inspiring increased racial, religious and gender-based hatred across the globe. It really is time to rally together to fight for a better world. There is power in numbers, and there is power in independent, community-run media. Join the swelling number of people fighting back by becoming a member of your radical activist radio station. Power, power, power. Show us your love and subscribe to 3CR. Call us on 9419 8377 or pay online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe.
2: I won't pretend I won't pretend I've read much Tiger or any in fact, but I like to think Martin had just spent a happy half hour in Freiburg's bike shop when he was struck by the thinginess of things. There it is, a cornucopia of exquisitely machined alloys, lustrous carbon fibre frames, and innumerable form fitting garments in high tech fabrics. Things don't get much thingier than that. And on this misty mid morning in mid May, you're tuned into the 3CR Yarrabug radio show on the Tranny 855, streaming it, podcasting it. How other way can you do it, Faith? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Many thanks to Amy Goodman for Democracy Now! We're here to touch base a couple of things that are happening in the bike world. And our guest today is Elliot Fishman from the Sensible Transport Department. Institute of Sensible Sorry. Transport. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Institute of Sensible Transport. Elliot, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, news and events, a couple of things coming up, but mostly we'll be focusing on now um, how cyclists can hardly contain their excitement in this new round of funding and forward planning from the state <laughs> government and local councils as far as shifting all those many people who are riding bikes in Melbourne. That's us. Faith... A bike moment.
0: A bike moment. Um, I've got several this week, but uh, I guess I spent uh, a couple of days last week riding in the Grampians um, in glorious weather and uh, towards the end of one ride, we were just heading back to where we'd left our stuff at a friend's shack and came up um, over, crested a big hill on Boundary Track and at that moment sort of, As you come over, the trees open up and you've got a view all the way down to the Miranatwa Gap and a couple of uh, wedge-tailed eagles just flew across nice and low. (laughs) That was uh, pretty special.
2: A thingy moment. Yes, yes. Yes. Um. (laughs) Elliot?
1: Well, mine's probably more of an urban bike moment. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't get too many wedge-tailed eagles (laughs) on my (laughs) ride in from Thornbury, but... uh, I don't know if this formally qualifies as a bike moment, but uh, I've been noticing, and it's more a series of moments that that repeat themselves, of the delivery riders, the fast food delivery riders, uh, Deliveroo or um, uh, Fedora, whatever they are. um, It's great that they're all riding out on bikes, and I can see that a lot of them haven't been uh, riding a lot in past years, which is excellent to see new cyclists out there. But the shocking thing for me is so few of them use Frontal back lights, considering that they almost all ride at night and often in streets that would have a lot of risks uh, that would only be amplified by not having lights. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised by that, and I hope that it ends soon.
2: I'm always surprised by the ninja cyclists in Melbourne yeah. there are always, there's never any lack of them across <laughs> well, the footpath
0: and we did uh, we have had a program recently that our colleague Chris did with um, talking about the working conditions for a lot of the delivery riders and um uh, you know traditionally you'd expect your employer to provide certain things and that's certainly not the case with them so yeah hopefully that's something that changes for them
2: yeah and there's a funny sort of paradox about it isn't it so somebody young and fit who's riding 20 30 k's a, a night to deliver food that you can't walk out the front door you not thought about it like that's true, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> I mean, we're just changing one thing to another thing yes. we're taking it off one person and putting yeah. it on another <laughs> that's quite right uh i've got another urban um an urban bike moment i'd um uh, one of my brother's birthdays, last Saturday night, and I went straight after work. It was probably a little bit of a mistake. And on the ride home, which is a familiar ride, I've got to say, and it's from coming down one of those big streets in Turak and dropping down on the McRobinson Bridge. So you come down a series no. of hills, nice left-hander, round a roundabout in the middle, mm-hmm. duck back to the right, then a swing to the left, and then to the bottom roundabout. And... I just had the most wonderful descent. I hardly touched the handlebars. I had faith in myself and just bent round those yeah. corners. It was really quite, you know, I don't usually put myself at the edge of anything. But it was nice <laughs> to sit there. And I got to the bottom without ever increasing the, my grip on the handlebars. So I just sat yep. there. It was a really wonderful. It was that beautiful Let the night. bike it would take have been you two down. days before full moon. So yep. it was all very peaceful. It and was
0: which bike were
2: you on? On the Soma. Ah. Fat tyres. <laughs> grippy, grippy. Grippy. <laughs> He and I have become one. <laughs> uh, now, a little bit of news. We'll do the athletes first. Giro's up to stage nine. Uh, Mr. Quintana from uh, colombia has got a small advantage, but he is riding very well. And uh, the Italians, I think, are bunched about uh, one and a half, two minutes behind him. So that'll get interesting. Awful. Uh, we are becoming a little bit used to this... Um, half the Sky team crashed into the back of a police motorcyclist. It's number three or four in the last week that that one of the motorbikes have been the cause of these accidents. It's getting a pretty...
0: It's ridiculous. I mean, uh, pulling over on the side of a bend when you're at the head of a a, a race. (laughs) And and it just astonishes me that, um, you know, every time this happens, everyone expresses their disappointment and we must change it. But it happens over and over again. And I think are there any other sports where the participants are expected to put up with random failures of Mm. the people who were there to facilitate the event? I can't think of any. And and is it that hard? (laughs) Especially I understand with a lot of the – the other motos, people are not necessarily trained in that, but this was the police who you'd think, besides being trained in riding their bikes, would be trained in thinking about being part of a big event yeah. and where you might pull over or where, you know, It's it just seems incredible that. That can happen, mm-hmm. yeah, and it still happens. Yeah, and over and
2: over again. No. So, I've forgotten the young man who died what yeah. four weeks ago. Yeah. The other yeah. young fellas mm. in an induced coma, all from the same thing. Yeah, no. I'm not too sure of any other sports, actually. I mean, bullfighting's dying a little bit. <laughs> so they're, 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 I mean, it's you know, yeah. No. But I look. You only got to go back to the Olympic Games and, I mean, there was an enormous crash on that because the roads were so substandard, yep. but, well, let's not go into that too much. <laughs> You'd think they hadn't been having the Giro for, what, 120 years. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Alistair Mac- uh, MacDonald, who's been in the depart- the Transport Department of Yarra Council for, I think, about nine or eight or nine years or maybe even a bit longer, yep. uh, is leaving Yarra Council and moving to Port Phillip, so... Alistair, we dips our lid too. done a lot of work with the Bicycle Advisory Committee. Uh, He's probably best known for um, pushing through and being a real advocate of the Wellington Street, Copenhagen Lane, of which in the next year, a budget. I think there's another $500,000 to finish it off. Um, So that's a good thing. Alistair, we'll miss you, but I'm sure you've trained up uh, a young apprentice there, sitting in the department, ready to go.
0: And I think uh, any cyclist who regularly rides around the city of Yarra and sometimes feels that they have a little bit more space than they might have if they were in an adjacent council area, that's uh, all Alice's work, I think, getting people to think about allocating road space differently.
2: Yeah, local you know, councils, why would you? <laughs> oh, no, there's, there's a few kooky things going on at Yarra at the moment. I'm not sure if you knew. We've got a, a lovely councillor Yarra, Stephen Jolly. And um, the acting CEO of Yarra Council made an official complaint about one of his tweets when he was talking about taking the funding away from the after-school care in North Fitzroy. So we've got the executive <laughs> of the yeah. of the council making a complaint out of the tweets, needless to say that they did say that actually we monitor Stevens' tweets all the time. It's quite fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Moreland Council, the Yarra's really hot you <laughs> All right, some more depressing news. Oh, no, it's good, actually. (laughs) Victoria stands head and shoulders above every other state in Australia. You know why? Because we realise that one metre doesn't matter a bit. (laughs) Elliot, (laughs) how long does this have to go on for?
1: Well, who knows? Uh, But uh, I think the initial evaluations that have been conducted in other jurisdictions that do have the one metre rule have found reasonably positive findings that it hasn't had a negative impact on road safety for all road users and it's also had a positive impact uh, amongst the cyclists and uh, I can attest to this personally when I was up in Parramatta doing some work for Parramatta City Council uh, a few months after they had introduced uh, they had passed the one meter uh, passing legislation uh, in New South Wales I found the passing distances were really generous and uh, I was surprised by that because I wouldn't necessarily thought that that would have filtered through to drivers in Parramatta yet but it I spent a week out on the bike doing survey work, and, and I can certainly say that uh, I got much better buffer between myself and the passing motorists there than I would in a middle or outer suburb of Melbourne.
0: Well, and if you can notice it in Sydney, it will yes. work anywhere. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> not, not to make huge generalisations about, uh, yeah, no, but, that's quite uh,
2: yeah. And the official reason for not giving it? Be too hard to enforce. enforce which echoes the chairman of the RACV <laughs> when the Victorian government brought in a speed restriction around schools and the RACV didn't want it. you know why? It would be hard to enforce. Yeah. It. I can't expect <laughs> And the same, it's the same argument, I think, that Bicycle Network put before one of the infrastructure committees about demerit points for people who opened car doors in the traffic. <laughs> that was one of their points, <laughs> that it's almost impossible to... Police, but I mean, it's not the policing that's important. But you send a message to motorists and say meter matters. You see something happen. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: normalising the behaviour that's important. And even if not everyone adheres to it, if ninety percent of people do, or even fifty yeah. percent of people, then yeah. you're better than you were before. Four.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Um, another idea, actually, coming out of New South Wales is: uh, there's New South Wales have had a parliamentary inquiry into driver training and road safety. And the City of Sydney have included in their submission the recommendation that learner drivers have to accumulate 120 logbook hours when they're uh, going before they can go for their licence, that they be able to use hours spent on a cycling course towards that 120, with the idea being then that more new drivers would have had experience riding.
1: Sounds like a pretty good idea. It
0: sounds like. You've got to follow the same rules. The road rules are pretty much the same. you um, still practising all the same principles, but, yeah, making you more aware of other road users. I think so the biggest uh, one
1: is having that personal experience of being a vulnerable road user, and yep. then that might influence how, how you drive, not just looking out for cyclists, but also just uh, generally making you a more sensitive driver to some of the risks that are out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the... Um, RACQ thought that was uh, a very good idea.
2: And we'll be back after this little break with an in-depth look at um, (laughs) the state government's funding priorities for the transport in Victoria.
1: Whether it's hip-hop, blues,
2: reggae, jazz, opera, roots, curry or world music you're into, 3CR's music menu is serving it up to you.
0: You're with Music Sans Frontieres, music from around Australia and around the world.
2: Good afternoon everybody and welcome to another edition of Great Voices. you are listening
0: to Hit Sister Hop on 3CR 855 AM.
2: Music matters on 3CR 12 noon every Friday. Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. Call 94198377. The newspapers shout, a
0: new style is growing. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show with Val and Faith and our studio guest, Elliot Fishman, Director of the Institute for Sensible Transport. Um, and... We've got Elliot in the studio today because I think um, he's picked up on something that has taken a few cyclists by surprise more recently. We've had uh, a lot of what has seen to be very positive changes in the way um, cyclists are spoken about, either by organisations like Vic Roads and local councils or um, different government bodies. And I think as a Melbourne cyclist, you started to feel that maybe we were coming in from the cold a bit, that, you know, we were being included in talks about traffic and things are slowly changing. And then there was uh, a couple of instances recently where I think <laughs> some of us, that, that um, changed. And I noticed, Elliot, you wrote an article that really picked up on the, some language that was used recently, particularly by Daniel Andrews.
1: Yeah, that's right. So there was an article by Clay Lucas, who's a journalist uh, from The Age, uh, and he talked about a radio interview that the Premier did on 3AW where he was basically squashing the VicRoads proposal and I think also the City of Port Phillip's proposal to improve bicycle infrastructure on St Kilda Road because it's a a road that has a high number of of injuries uh, to cyclists. And uh, he said, look... Don't worry, Neil, we'll be having none of that. Uh, talking to Neil Mitchell, of course, uh, we'll have none of that. And the word that, uh, I was just wondering, well, what does he mean by that? Uh, and it, to me it felt a little bit unfair to have a Premier who hasn't really been involved in the details uh, squash a uh, a plan that had been developed carefully by engineers and uh, road safety practitioners for a number of months and he'll be having none of that. And what he meant by that, I think, was he didn't like the notion that road space could be changed to make it safer for all road users rather than just trying to maximise the throughput of motor vehicles uh, when, from a transport perspective, it simply doesn't stand up because the bottlenecks on St Kilda Road wouldn't be changed by having... Uh, separated bicycle lanes on Sinclair yeah. Road,
0: and it's it's interesting because, like you you said, there are professionals who've spent months working on these plans, and also who who understand about and and we see that when we see documents and that from Vic Roads, it's no longer about moving cars; it's about moving people. People, and that's why there's so much work going on where we uh, try and prioritise tram movements, for example. Um, so it is incredibly dismissive and uh, seems a, a strange sort of uh,
1: thing. Well, well, in a sense, it's perplexing because you do have all of these examples of other places around the world that have been able to allow people to travel more efficiently and safer by allocating road space in different ways to how yep. we've done it uh, on St Kilda Road up until now. And But there's, there's this disconnect between the... The city planning and the transport planning and the safe systems approach there's a disconnect between all that and the the political question and for Daniel Andrews the most important objective here is to win re-election that's the most important thing on his mind and he feels as though he will have a better chance of doing that if he creates uh, a set of winners and losers and a set of enemies Uh, and because 80% of trips are done by car, he feels as though the votes are in that camp and there aren't as many votes in the pro-bicycle camp, so he'll go with the, the bigger group mm-hmm. of voters, yeah. uh, which uh, in the end nobody wins except for perhaps Daniel Andrews at the election because instead of having two or three lanes of congested motor vehicle traffic, there might be six or eight lanes yeah. of congested motor vehicle traffic, and who's that helping?
0: Yeah.
2: We seem to be... It's, I find it a really interesting, the disconnect between actually a strong group of people who know what they're doing. I'm going to say Roads have got a bit of experience of designing roads and transport methods. You get to a stage where it doesn't matter what they come up with, if it doesn't fit the political zeitgeist, it's not going anywhere, which seems to be extremely disappointing.
1: It is, and that's yeah. why we're still stuck in this mess where uh, on, on a typical weekday or even a weekend, we've got all these cars stuck in traffic, Mm. even outside of peak times. And it's because people aren't given the options to be able to leave the car at home and take another mode of transport. And so it really doesn't help anybody because you've got all this forced car use where people are having to drive because they don't feel safe. Like, for instance, yesterday I went down to visit my mum on Mother's Day with my family and I went ride down St Kilda Road with my daughter, with my two daughters, so I took the car. And St Kilda Road was fantastic in the car. It went yeah. through really quickly. But the congestion around the city was terrible. And part of the reason for that is that people aren't given the diversity of transport choices they need in order to help them avoid having to drive in congestion. Yeah. And,
2: or you're appealing to one group of people who are, actually was interesting. It uh, must be the Federal Transport Minister. was on the Ra- Radio National this morning. And he was actually... Appealing to the people who were stuck in the traffic in Sydney and saying this is why we need to spend all this more money on roads for <laughs> you that are sitting in the car stuck.
0: Yeah, well, I think so. There can be more of you, <laughs> so,
1: so, so they know who their market is. May listen to yeah. the same interview. Uh, so his minister for cities, I think City, Angus um, Keenan. No, no, no. Uh, and the. I think it's very easy for them because they look at the numbers. They know that eighty, yeah. eighty, eighty-five yeah. percent of people get to work by car. He knew he was to, who he was talking to because it was around eight o'clock in the morning, so people were in their cars, stuck in traffic, and so he was giving them the message that our budget will help yeah. you get out of that traffic. And it, they're raising an expectation which they will never be able yeah. to meet because yeah. you induce the traffic, as, no. as you and your listeners may well know, and then you just build eight or nine lanes of congested yeah. motor vehicle traffic rather
2: than perhaps four. What was that great line you used in that article? I don't know. I think there are lots of them, Val. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm, 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 not, I'm. <laughs> I don't like to pick out one just because of it. It was about um, congestion or doing nothing about congestion um, gets rid of it.
1: The, uh, you, you, the traffic disappears when you don't. Mm. Uh, yes. So – So so what they did, that was, I'll just very quickly uh, recap on what that was. It was a a professor of transport that looked at 70 different case studies of where they had taken away road space, whether it had been through a natural disaster or through some sort of planning mechanism, and they looked at the congestion that results in that corridor and the surrounding streets, and what they found was that the traffic essentially disappears. There's less numbers of vehicles travelling in that area, and so... Uh, traffic can be seen, I guess, a little bit like a gas, which can be compressed, and so you can yeah. put it in a, a smaller uh, object. You can, you can uh, travel uh, much more efficiently when people move uh, through a street on a tram or uh, on their bicycle than when you do in a car, because the average occupancy rate of a car in Melbourne is one point one people per yeah. vehicle. Yeah,
0: and and it's not an option um, at the moment to move people from cars onto public transport because public transport's so over capacity I riding down Lygon Street in the morning the enormous groups of people waiting at tram stops yeah, is it's, just and how- and the trams are full before they leave Coburg it's just astonishing.
1: That's right. and I think a lot of people that are moving into apartments that are being built on mm. the um, on the on the tram lines at the moment. a lot of them might be quite disappointed when they move in and try and get on a tram, tram. At, uh, at twenty past eight.
0: And 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 the reason you can't get get more trams through that space at that time is because of the cars.
2: All that 1.1 people sitting in the cars. That's right.
1: A very poor use of space and also a very poor use of, you know, the $7.5 million it costs for each tram and the 140 people that could be in that tram just sitting there waiting for people that are in the single-occupant vehicle. And
2: as we are in Victoria, we can't get money for public transport. The federal government wants to give us money, but to only do one thing. To build roads, yes, not not public transport.
0: Yeah, and we uh, often talk about separated cycling lanes. And um, but one thing I do remember from the Netherlands is you have separated tram lanes too. Mm -hmm. So it ends up that the cars are the ones who are being channelled. Yeah, and uh, I think that's sort of you know the the raised platforms that are there for disability access. They're de facto. Role is also begins that process of separation mm-hmm. to some extent. Yep. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long we can really hold out before we have to start doing that as well.
1: I think it's only a matter of time. It's inevitable yeah, that yeah. that will occur. It's just to have the uh, world's, I think, first or second largest tram network in the world, and yet to have them stuck in congested right. motor yeah. vehicle traffic is just not an efficient yeah. use of space, which has been okay up until now. But I think in the, the coming uh, five to 15 years, it 's simply not going to work and they're going to need to make some very tough political decisions yep. that they 've been able to avoid up until
2: now yeah uh, it 's a long row actually if you just keep w i mean h w i mean I forgot this name, what was his name, the kooky old English writer. Bike paths will abound in utopia, (laughs) H.G. Wells, which nobody's ever found out, actually, (laughs) that he actually wrote it. And the other disturbing thing about H.G. Wells is he wrote a science fiction novel, must have been about 1910 or a little bit more, which actually made Leo Slars think about atomic physics. And that was one of the driving forces behind that early engagement. The part was that actually once you had the atomic bomb, it would kill war everywhere because everybody would be too scared to use it. Mm. We can see that's a lie <laughs> yes, to that. Yes,
0: it's working so well.
2: Elliot, before we – I know we might get short for time in the end. I love your uh, webpage now, that time-lapse photo <laughs> thing on oh, the front. thank you. I found myself watching that little woman in the red jacket see how many times <laughs> she went to the railing. She kept going there all the time. It's very nice. Thanks.
0: And just uh, if listeners are interested in uh, checking out your website, that address?
1: It's www.sensibletransport.org.au. Cool.
0: And we've just got time to run through a couple of events. Tonight, if you had a big weekend and are feeling a bit stiff and sore, Melbourne Hurt have got Yogurt on at the Brunswick Cycling Club, uh, Harrison Street Club. Buildings. Uh, so that's a one-hour session of yoga um, by Gold Coin Donation. Bring a yoga mat or towel at 7 p.m. and that's for any uh, women who would uh, like a good stretch after the weekend shenanigans. Also coming up this week on Wednesday is the Central Victorian Atheists and Free Thinkers uh, meeting upstairs at the Albion in Kyneton. And that is um, a group of people who are thinking about mandatory helmet laws and how well they're working for cyclist safety in Australia. The details for that, if you want them, are at bikefun.org.
2: And I think that's all we've got time for this week.
0: Coming up next
2: is... is... Jailbreak, which is a bit of a change for us, as you know. Um, And we'll see you in... Chris will be here next week, and we'll see you
0: You in a fortnight. There we go. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.